friends, welcome to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast, which is created to ignite your kingdom purpose and equip you to reach your potential for a global harvest. Don't forget to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends. On today's episode, Rob Wyatt, a church planner and pastor in Oklahoma City, talks to us about the leadership paradox and how we, as leaders, can help others realize the greatness inside themselves. Don't go anywhere. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Next Gen Leaders podcast. I didn't just say the Next Gen podcast. No, I said Next Gen Leaders. And today I want to speak to the leader in all of you. Yes, all of you. Even if you don't see yourself as a leader right now, doesn't mean that this has nothing for you. This is for you. Stay tuned. I have a I have a feeling this is going to be a blessing to everyone. My name is Rob Wyatt from Oklahoma City, and today I've got some notes that I've typed out here that I'm kind of looking at my iPad. I've got a general direction I want to go, but you know, before I even uh, before we even hit the the record button on this podcast, I I prayed and I asked God to just to flow to allow me to to have that inspiration of the Holy Ghost. If there's something that I need to say, I'm going to say it the same way I do when I when I preach a sermon. So get your seatbelts on. Here we go. I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory of uh, where I'm coming from today. But I went to Bible college back in the dark ages. I graduated back in 1997. Had some amazing teachers and great Bible teaching. Uh, I received, I mean, absolutely some of the very best people that could speak into your life at that age uh, were, were instructors in the Bible school there in Texas when I went there. And I still to this day believe that making the decision to attend Bible college was the single greatest decision I I ever made, of course, after the decision to follow Jesus. Now, this isn't about Bible college, so I'm not trying to get anybody to go. I'm just kind of giving you a foundation of, of, of where I'm going for this podcast. At that time, I was a recent new convert. I'd only been in the church about two or three years at the time I went to Bible college. Didn't know much about the Bible at all. I wasn't coming from another faith or another denomination. I was really coming from more of an agnostic worldview when I came to the church. I didn't go to Bible college because I felt a call to to preach. I didn't have a desire to work in ministry. Um, But while I was there, I did receive a call to preach, and God changed my life. Now, while I was there, we learned about theology, learned Old Testament, New Testament, learned about covenants, doctrine, eschatology, which is a fancy way of saying prophecy. We learned about Jewish history, life and times of Jesus, pastoral theology, and even uh, a a big focus on Christian counseling. And with all of this neatly packed into my brain, I left Texas Bible College, and, and I was asked to be a youth pastor at a large church there in the Houston area. And I tell you what, I was clueless. I had never... I had, I had never attended a Sunday school as a kid. I'd never been part of a youth group as a teenager. Um, I had really had no context of what youth ministry was supposed to be. I made a lot of mistakes. And uh, I look back today and I realize these mistakes in that season was an absolute blessing in my life. They opened my eyes to the fact that even though I had all this Bible college knowledge, 
I was still missing something. And in that season, I remember going to a Christian bookstore. I went to the, a bookstore in Houston, and I stumbled across a book, and I just grabbed it on a whim. Just literally, I judged the book by the cover, and I bought this book, and it was a thin little paperback. And this book started my life on a fresh trajectory, and it changed me, and I'm so thankful for this book. It was called The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make. It was written by a guy named Hans Fenzel, and I do recommend, if you've never come across that book, you ought to take a, take a read at it. You see, I had all this theology training in Bible college, but I didn't have any leadership training. I knew nothing about what it meant to be a leader. I knew nothing about what it meant to, to lead people, to have followers, to influence people. And in this book, it talks about you know a top-down attitude being a, a mistake of a leader. And I realized that every, everything I'd worked, whether it was career or ministry, all I'd ever seen was a top-down attitude. It talks about having working in an area with an absence of affirmation or no room for mavericks, and it talks about what dirty delegation is. And I, these these topics, they they impacted me because I realized I see these mistakes everywhere. I'm making these mistakes, and I didn't know that there was an al- an alternative. And this book started me on a pursuit to understand leadership, to learn what it means to be a leader, to learn how to lead, because I knew I had a massive knowledge gap in my life. I thought I was equipped for ministry, but when you look at what ministry really is, it's, it's really about people. And if you zoom out, and let's not just talk about ministry, because some of you today are listening to this, you're, you're not in ministry or called to be in ministry, and there's... And there's no shame in that. In fact, that's wonderful. You need to do where, where God has equipped you to be. But even if you work in business, it's ultimately about people. Let's say that all you work in is robotics and you work in front of a computer all day designing robots to build parts on cars and to eliminate assembly line. It's still about people because everything that you do ultimately is to bless another human being. And when we talk about leadership, it is all about people. I realize that just because you have the title of leader doesn't mean you're a good leader, because I surely wasn't. I read that book. I reread that book. I saw flaws in myself. I saw flaws in the leaders around me. In fact, I got super critical of my, of my, of my employers and the people that I worked for. And then I realized I was doing the same thing that they're doing in my areas of influence, and I got a little less critical because I had identified a knowledge gap, and my quest for knowledge began. And from that season in the late 1990s until this day, I have been on a quest to learn all I can about being a better leader. Now, I've not gone to college about this. I've not taken any courses on leadership in college. Um, but I have read every book I can get my hands on. I've listened to countless hours of podcasts. I've watched TED Talks. I've attended seminars. I've listened to Christian leaders and secular leaders talking about uh, about leadership in the church world and in the business world. And if I could afford the seminar, I went to it. I've utilized a leadership coach. I have paid for and utilized a leadership coach that I did a, a Zoom meeting with for uh, for several months. And and I have a pastor to this day and many ministerial mentors that I lean on. I have a lot of people that I look to in my life that I've given them the ability to look at me in the eye and say, that's not a good idea. You need to reconsider that. Are you sure that's the way you want to go? And 
I am thankful for that because I realize that even though I have the title of leader, that doesn't come just baked in with it, the concept that I'll be a good leader. Being a good leader is entirely different than simply being a leader. And so today, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about leadership. Some of you today, you may not... You not, may not even think that you are a leader. You may say, man, I, I'm, I've never led anything. Maybe you're still a full-time student and you never had the chance to lead anything. Don't turn the podcast off because I believe there's something in this for you today right where you are. Now, I don't know if, how many of you have ever heard of a guy by the name of John Maxwell. He is a, a well-known author of leadership books. He has a, a book that I want to just make a book recommendation to you right now. If, you've, if you're looking for books to read, here's one I would refer to and recommend to any aspiring leader. It's called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Another one is, uh, another one is about growing, and it's called The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. Those two books have some amazing principles in them. And I found that a lot of his books kind of become a little repetitive. I'm not trying to throw shade on John Maxwell. But those two books right there hold the core of what he teaches and reteaches in a lot of his other books. And I highly recommend you reading those. Let it challenge you and stretch your concept of what it means to be a leader. Now, John Maxwell has a famous quote. He's, he's well known for this quote. He says it in every one of his books. I think he puts it in there. He says this, leadership is influence nothing more and nothing less. And after years of hearing that and analyzing it, I can agree and I believe that that is a true statement. So how do we effectively lead and how do we effectively influence people, especially if you've never led before or you've never seen yourself as a leader or maybe you've never even had the chance to lead and you don't see where there's gonna be any chances granted in the near future to lead. First, you've got to see why becoming a growing leader matters. Some of you listening might be thinking, you know, all this sounds great. I'm not a leader. You know, uh, like I said a minute ago, maybe you're a full-time student. Let's say maybe uh, you've got your first job and it's an entry-level job, or maybe you just got out of college and you're starting your career, but you're just right at the bottom of the totem pole and you answer to everybody and you don't lead anybody. Maybe that's, that's where you are in your job, or maybe even in the context of relationships, you're, you're living on your own or with a roommate that you have equal footing with. And, and, you're, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I don't lead on the job. I don't have a leadership position in the church. I don't lead here. Or maybe you've got your first little, little dose of leadership and, it, and it, maybe it feels good, or maybe you're a little bit afraid. I, I've got news for all of you. There's something in this that I want to talk to you about today that can help you no matter where you are, even if you haven't led a single person or you're just starting to lead, or maybe you've even been in ministry for years and you want to take your leadership to the next level. I have boiled down what I believe are really two of the greatest principles that that go into one overarching principle I want to teach about today. Um, and I'm going to just for, the, for a, a title of a podcast. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you today. It's called, this is what I want to call the leadership paradox, the leadership paradox. I'm going to talk about two uh, seemingly contradicting principles that you've got to grasp if you ever want to be an effective leader. Now, uh, let me see. Let me look back at my notes. I've been rambling a little bit. It says here, have you ever heard some people are just born to lead? 
okay, maybe you've heard that. I've heard that, you know, a born leader, he's a born leader. Why do we call people born leaders? I mean, I think that we do that because that person's loud or that person just doesn't seem to be shy or they're just a very demonstrative person and they're not afraid. I think that extroverts get the title of born leaders often more than introverts do. And I want to dispel something real quick that if you're an introvert today, you have just as much leadership in you, maybe even more than many of the extroverts out there. Because what the extrovert does, they find that getting in front of a crowd is easy. That's not, that's not the attribute of a leader. That's the attribute of an entertainer. And, and just because you can get in front of a crowd and just because it, you, can, you can let your voice be heard easily and you're not afraid of, of, of standing up in front of people, that doesn't, that's not the qualities of a leadership I'm talking about today. Um, True leadership isn't about how loud you say something. True leadership is about how much what you say is worth listening to. I'm going to say that again. True leadership isn't about how loud you say something. True leadership is about how much what you say is worth listening to. Do you have something worth listening to? You can say it quiet and I'll tell the room to hush so I can hear what you have to say. And you can lead with a quiet voice. You can lead with an introvert's nature. So what makes us listen to one person over another? And what can make people listen to what you have to say over listening to someone else? What is it that can make you stand out in a world that's looking for leadership? Well, influence is leadership. And I think I can boil down and oversimplify much of leadership into two rules. And so here we go with what I've already mentioned, the leadership paradox. Here's the two rules that create this leadership paradox. The first rule in the leadership paradox is nothing is about you. It has nothing to do with you. Leadership isn't about you. It's not about your position. It's not about your voice. It's not about you getting in front of people. It's not about your kingdom. It's not about your pay grade. It's not about your title. It's not about you. It's about the people you lead. It's about their dreams. It's about their needs. It's about their development. It's about them becoming something greater. And the second rule in the leadership paradox is it's all about you. But it doesn't mean it's all about your kingdom and the very same things I mentioned now. No, it's all about your character. It's all about you being responsible for you. It's all about you putting away excuses and blame. It's time for you to start taking full responsibility for your life. It's time for you to stop blaming everything else for keeping you down and for being against your ability to achieve. The leader takes full responsibility and doesn't blame it on whether or not you were born into a rich or a poor family or a white or a black or Hispanic family or what trauma has happened to you, what scars have been inflicted upon you by others. Take responsibility for your life and stop being a victim. Stop giving the power to change into the hands of the people who hurt you so long ago or to a culture or a society or something that you think is systemically racist. Let's stop giving our power to change to things outside of our control. If you want to change, Only you can change. If you want to be an effective leader, stop waiting on somebody else to make you an effective leader. Only you have that ability and that power. It's all about you. Do you see the paradox? On one hand, 
It's not about you at all. I've got to decrease so that others can increase. We want the Lord to increase, but I need others around me to increase. But also, it's all about me. I've got to stop letting you have the ability to stop me from growing. Leadership is always about others. Leadership is about influencing people. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the, the first rule of the paradox, about it's not about you. You're not leading to, for you to get ahead. Don't go into a job about what's in it for me. We take promotions. We take ministerial um, advancement. If you're taking it just for you, you're going to be so miserable. If all it is is, to, is because, oh, the, when I'm finally this position or I finally get that title, if you've got that in your mind and you think that the day that that happens that you have arrived, I'm, I'm going to pop your bubble right now, you, nothing changes. They're going to make you the boss. They're going, to make, they're going to elect you as the pastor. They're going to give you that promotion, a full partnership or whatever it is. And now you've got the desk, the corner office, and you've got the title. You're still you. Your character hasn't changed. Your education hasn't changed. And maybe there's a little feeling of, of, of satisfaction. Yes, I've reached this rung of the ladder that I've been striving for. But the reality is that you're still the same. You just have more responsibility and maybe a little bigger paycheck. It's not about you. The further you go in leadership is really about how much further can I take the people with me? What can I do for them? I'm going to get to some biblical principles here. The Bible teaches us that God created man in his own image. We've all heard this. That's what makes man different than the animals. This is why man has a higher uh, value than an animal. And if you look in the book of Genesis, this is why there is a sentence of death upon the murderer. Because the Bible tells us that if you murder someone, you have, you have smitten the image of God. This is why there is no death sentence for, for you know, taking a, a cow and making it into a steak. The cow was not in the image of God, but a man is in God's image. And when you smite the image of God, you're not blameless and you're not held without responsibility. God, God created man in his own image. And in that image, it's not just about how we look. It's really about our character. There's things in man that aren't in any other area of the animal kingdom. You know, a, uh, you can show a gorilla how to plant seeds and he'll still never plant the tree. He'll eat the banana. He'll eat what he sees, but he'll never plant the tree. You know, a beaver will go cut the trees down and with their teeth and make a dam the exact same way that they've made it forever. But men, we see chain, we'll make a chainsaw. We'll make a sawmill. We'll, we'll build a concrete dam with a, a power generator and make the Hoover Dam that can light up Las Vegas. It's like men have a creative ability that's so far beyond the animals. The animals have this instinctual. They can only do what's instinctual to them. A bird can build a birdhouse, but a man can make a 45-story a, a uh, condominium. And it's like what we have the ability as human beings to create is glory to God. It reveals the greatness of our God because we are creative. And the people you lead... The people that are your teammates and your, and your classmates, the people around you, your next door neighbor, they are also in the image of God. 
Let that sink in for a minute. You're not leading mindless robots or, or monkeys. You are leading people made in the image of God. They're not idiots. They aren't stupid, and they're not worthless. These are people worth dying for. Every one of them, even the ones who have sin in their lives, even the ones who get under your skin and have horrible bad habits and bad manners and, and, and terrible work ethics, those people are made in the image of God. And, and this is also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of veer off here. In the book of Leviticus, it's around chapter 10, uh, there's a verse that says, thou shall not curse the deaf. Now, why in the world would the Old Testament have a law against cursing the deaf? Why, what's wrong with me talking about a deaf person? They can't hear me. It's not like they're going to get offended. You know, if I have a deaf person and I want to talk about them, let's say they can't read lips or I maybe hold my hand over my mouth, they can't see me. I can talk about them all day. It doesn't hurt them. Their feelings aren't hurt. They have no awareness of what I said. But the Bible says you shall not curse the deaf. This isn't because I'm hurting the deaf person. It's because I'm hurting myself. To speak against the deaf is to hurt you because you're allowing things to come out of your mouth that should not come out of your mouth. You're speaking about someone who is made in the image of God who cannot defend themselves, someone that you would never say that about had they had the ability to hear you. Now, we can project that same concept into talking about your coworkers and the people that work for you. Let's say that you're the boss and you get out there on the, on the, on the manufacturing floor with your employees and then you go upstairs to where all the, the other managers are and you shut the door to where none of those other low-ranking employees can come in to where you are and you go, oh, those guys are a bunch of idiots. I just can't, oh, I just can't stand how stupid they are. Can you believe how stupid they are? You are literally cursing the deaf in that moment. You are speaking about people that have no ability to hear what you have to say. And you are hurting yourself because you're hurting your, uh, your character. And the people around you realize something, that you don't see greatness in them. They realize you don't see the creative genius in those people. They realize all you see is the mistakes and you have no faith to see the greatness that lies beyond. This is also... Oh, I'm going to mess with you now. This is also why you don't yell at the driver in the, who's, who's hogging the fast lane by driving slow. That's why you don't call him an idiot. This is why we don't call other drivers stupid. Oh, man, I just got a universal groan. I feel it. Oh, I feel it coming through the podcast right now. Y'all are groaning with me because you know I've done it. You've done it. It's like, oh, you idiot, get out of the fast lane. We need to stop doing that because we are literally talking about someone made in the image of God. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know if they just got the worst news of their life and they're in a melancholy mood or maybe they're old and just don't have the, the brain function that they've had. Whatever it is, we've got to stop talking about the deaf, figuratively or literally. So let me get back off of that little tangent here. But um, when you are leading people, you want to set them up for greatness. You want to look beyond their faults, beyond their, their knowledge gaps, um, these people may have been told that they're stupid their whole life. They may have been told that they're worthless and that they'll never achieve and never rise above. They've been told this, maybe not directly, but indirectly through circumstances and things that go on in their life. But the good leader looks beyond and can see the divine, can see the image of God hiding behind the low self-esteem, behind the scars, behind the societal imposed uh, 
roadblocks, and you can pull greatness out of them by seeing beyond. It's also why micromanaging people is so toxic, by going in and telling people everything to do. See, there, if you've ever been around me very long, and the people at our church have certainly heard me say this, I have a saying, I say it all the time, that there's more than one right way to do most things. That means the way that you think is the right way to do something is not the right way, it's a right way. Allowing somebody else to come up with their own creative way of solving the same problem. They may actually find a better way of doing it than the way you've always done it. So rather than telling somebody every painstaking detail in the plan to do something, allow them to, 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 to pull out the creative genius. Rather than giving them advice, why don't you coach them to come up with their own solutions? and allow greatness to come out of people. It's about them. It's not just about the job. See, when you're micromanaging, you're telling them the job is more important than the person. But when you're able to look at the person and say, man, I believe you can find a better way to do this than we've all done this. Now you're calling greatness to be. You're literally speaking into darkness and saying, let there be light. This is what we've got to do if we're going to lead. You know, as a pastor... I have decided to see every person who walks in the door as a gift sent from God, even broken people, even addicted people, poor people, homeless people, hurting people. It doesn't matter who they are, what color they are, what religious background they may have had. They are all a gift from God. Every one of them is like a wrapped package under the Christmas tree. In the wrapping on the outside, the pain, the hurt, the, maybe the, the success, whatever it is that you see on first inspection is often concealing more than it reveals the true beauty of what's hidden deep inside. And you've got to have faith and time and courage to look beyond the wrapping paper to see the true value that every gift carries. See, my job is, is not just to see the greatness inside that they can see, but to see the greatness inside people that they can't see. And this is where you've got to have prayer. You've got to pray for the people you lead. You've got to say, God, let me see what you see. When you see this hurting person, what greatness do you see trying to get out? What, what beauty do you see trying to show up that has been so marred by life's circumstances? And this is the way a leader has to pray. I'm not just praying that they can do a good job, but that they become a great person. This is why comparisons are dangerous. No two churches and no two businesses, no two people can ever be the same. You see, I can't be somebody else. I can't be somebody else. You can show me how this person over here or that person over there leads their church, pastors their congregation, uh, writes their sermons, leads their organization. And I can, I can take little nuggets from each of them. And, but for me to copy one of them is one of the worst things I could ever do because that, that, that says that I can't be my genuine self. That means the best I can be is nothing more than a carbon copy of somebody else. I can't do that. I've got to find out who I am. This is where we switch now to talk about it's not just all about, about them. As a leader, it's all about you. You've got to become comfortable in your own skin. Who am I? 
is a question every leader has to answer. When, it, when everything is stripped away, when my title is gone, when my family is gone, when everything is gone, let me ask it like this. If I were to ask you the question, tell me who you are, but you can't tell me what you do for a living, what job you have. You can't tell me anything about your family, your pets. You can't tell me anything you do, but tell me about yourself. The only things you can really tell me about, my, about yourself at that point come down to character. I am honest. I live a clean life. I am a Christian. I am a man or a woman of faith. I believe in certain things. And here are some certain lines I never cross and some compromises I never make. That's who you are. And until you can answer those basic questions of who am I, what are my values, what are my morals, what is my character, you can't hide those insufficiencies by the things you do. You can never do enough to overcome not being true to who you're supposed to be. So this is why we have got to have uh, this other half of the leadership puzzle. I've got to know who am I. It's all about me. If I don't know who I am, I can't lead you. If I can't see greatness in me, if I can't believe God has a plan for my life, if I can't have some values that I stand on no matter what pop culture and public opinion does, then how in the world can I be a man worth you following? I've got to, I've got to choose. I must be humble. I must be a lifelong student. I must be honest, clean, and faithful. I must be able to admit when I'm wrong and swallow my pride, and I must be able to say I'm sorry to the least of these if I am in the wrong. I must always put others first. I must be the first to sacrifice before I ever expect someone else to do the same, and I must never forget that when I lead, it's not about me. This is how we fulfill the it's all about me side of the paradox. Because as soon as I forget that it's all about my character, I don't have the right to pull greatness out of someone else. So let me say this. A good leader can inspire people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. That's worth saying again. A good leader can inspire people to have confidence in the leader, but a great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. You see, we've often thought that the mark of a great leader was the number of followers they have. How many followers you got? And this is the thing that drives you crazy as a pastor, especially I, I planted this church about 12 years ago. And when we had literally no members, no really no real membership, just a couple people coming. And I shouldn't say no, because those two are, are, are absolutely priceless. But it was my family of four, a lady named Becky Kennedy who had come from another church and followed us here. And she's been a friend for years and she's been loyal, just almost like a family member. And then we had a man who was a homeless man named Tony. And it was, it was the six of us. That was the church. That was the church. And people would ask me at camp meeting, how many are you running? And it was irritating at first because I felt like, you know, you're, you're asking this because they're quantifying how successful I was as a leader by how many people attended the church. And for years, I let that bother me. I felt like I had to reach some certain level of followers before I would give myself the credit for being a good leader. 
And I finally had to set myself free from that because I, this is what I decided to do. I, I'm not going to allow the number of people that do or do not attend this church to define me, my worth, my leadership, or my value. The number that I've decided that I'm going to focus on is not the number of people that attend church, but the number of people who are growing in leadership. That's the number of my worth, if I can say it that way. That's the way I look at it. How many people have the opportunity to grow? How many people are being invested in? How many people are growing and maturing and getting better? That's, the, that's, that's how you determine whether or not you're really leading, in my opinion anyway. Because I've decided the best leaders are not people that simply make more followers, but the best leaders create more leaders. And when I'm done and my, my candle is snuffed out and you put me in that pine box and bury me in the ground, when I'm gone, does this whole thing fall apart? If so, I wasn't a very good leader. Jesus was a leader for three and a half years and after he was dead and buried, yes, he rose again, but he ascended. He didn't stick around. He left. One of his 12 followers uh, was Judas Iscariot. We know he has to, he's erased from the, the scene. But the, the other 11 men changed the world. They turned the world upside down. That's how you measure the effectiveness of their leader. That's how we see the effectiveness of Jesus. Now, I want to quote a guy by the name of Sun Tzu. His last name is spelled T-Z-U. He is a 6th century B.C. Chinese general. He was a military strategist, a writer, a philosopher. He wrote a, a book called The Art of War. It's a really interesting read. If you've never read it, there's a version of it that Tom Clancy put out to where he puts a commentary in it. It is fantastic. This is a great read for leaders and entrepreneurs and business owners. And it's, 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 got, some, it's got some really interesting stuff to, you can learn from in here. And he says this. This is what he says in his book. The general who advances without coveting fame and retreats without fearing disgrace whose only thought is to protect his country and do good service for his sovereign is the jewel of the kingdom. He's saying if you can find a general who isn't in it for the glory, a general who isn't in there to make a name for himself, a general whose greatest desire is for king and kingdom, who cares about his troops more than he cares about the badges he pins on his own chest, that leader is the jewel of his kingdom. I want to be that in the kingdom of God, don't you? It comes down to it's not about me. It's not about am I getting invited to preach here or there? Do people say my name when they make the list of the great preachers? And No, 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 no. Are they calling you when your business or in your, are you the one that's, it's not about you. But are you serving your kingdom in a way that is for the greater good of those around you? Or are you in this for yourself? Can you see the paradox with me today? The paradox that it's all about me and it's not about me. It's all about my character because if my character's right, I'll make it all about others. This is holding yourself to a high standard and it's having mercy upon the, those who call you their leader because leadership isn't telling others what to do. It's about providing an environment for others to become who they could never be otherwise. You see, Jesus took 
fishermen and political zealots and tax collectors. And he saw a greatness in these guys they couldn't see in themselves. Jesus is walking down the shore of the Sea of Galilee and says, he says, you know, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And those guys left their nets and followed Jesus. And I thought to myself, why did they leave everything over that statement? And in that statement, Jesus is saying to them, I have a greater vision for your life than you have for your life. I see you as a fisher of men, whereas you can never see yourself as anything more than a fisher of fish. Follow me and you can adopt for yourself the vision of you that I already have for you. And they didn't just follow a man. They followed a man with a vision for them. They didn't follow Jesus to build his kingdom. They didn't follow follow Jesus to build his church. Jesus didn't say, come be a part of my network. Be a part of of my enterprise. Come join my business. Come be an associate. No, no, no. They didn't come for those reasons. See, that's the way we try to tell people. I see church signs all the time. Come grow with us. Somebody wants to come grow with you. Nobody wants to come make your vision come. They want their vision to come to pass. And if you want to see people flock to your leadership, stop casting a vision in your own leadership to them and cast a vision for their greatness in them. I see great things in you. Follow me and I'll help you become a greater version of you than you can be without me. That's the hallmark of a, of, of a, of a leader's vision. See, Jesus didn't give them all the answers. He gave them the tools to discover for themselves how to become, to discover who they could be and how to lead for themselves. He gave them principles and parables. He gave them stories. He didn't micromanage how to make decisions. He put value systems in them. And when these things came to the surface, these people were able to lead at a very high level. You see, Jesus influenced many people but died with only 11 surviving disciples. And those 11 men changed the world and became a testimony to the greatness of Jesus' leadership. It's not about how many you lead. Pastor, it's not about how many people go to your church. You know, entrepreneur, it's not about how many customers you have. It's about the quality that you treat those customers and disciples and church members with. What are you helping them to become? What are their dreams that you're helping to come true? And so with this, I approach a close. John Chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, verily, verily. And for those of you that, are, that don't like the King James, that simply means, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus said, you're going to eclipse me. The works you do will be greater than mine. People will talk more about what you do than what I did. You will influence more people than I influenced. This is the mark of a great leader when it's about others and not about self. A parent, they want to prepare their child for greater success than they had. An employer should want to prepare their employees not just to have a good career, but to even go start their own business as a competitor, if so needed, elsewhere. A great manager wants to, should want to prepare their employees to become greater leaders within that organization and even move to help steer other organizations. And a pastor should be, should be striving not only to, to, to shepherd his flock, but to lead leaders that they can leave that place and do greater ministry elsewhere than they ever did there. And I'm going to close with this. I've heard it say, it's said that it's lonely at the top. 
This statement is only true if you've had to assassinate the character of the people you've met along the way in order to rise above them. But when you're a person of character and a builder of people, you will never be short on amazing relationships. You will never be short on friends. The leadership paradox, it pays in the end, ladies and gentlemen. When it comes to character, it's all about you. Nobody else can do it for you. No one else's walk with God or personal integrity can be a substitute for your own. And when it comes to success, it's all about others. Don't take all the glory. Don't, don't, don't bask in the spotlight as if you did it yourself. Be sure that you let the people around you know that you can't do it without them. Because you only succeed as a byproduct, a byproduct, a secondary byproduct of the success of your team, your church, your employees, or, or whatever it may be. And yes, there's more leadership than this. But if you don't get this, nothing else matters. Without this, this basic paradox of leadership, you can learn all the techniques, you can learn all the sayings, you can learn all the marketing. But if your character isn't right, and if you're selfish in your ambitions, it's going to put a cap on your leadership, and it's going to, again, make you lonely when you finally reach that top. I hope this has sparked something on the inside of you. I hope this has helped those of you that have listened today. That really is all I've got for you. And, uh, but I challenge you to be a man or a woman with a character worth following. I'm speaking this to you because I believe, even though I can't see your face, I know there's greatness in you because the Bible tells me it's there. And if I can speak greatness to people I've never laid my eyes on, how much more can you speak greatness into the people around you? So find the hidden gems in other people. Bring to the surface the things that they haven't yet seen. Call light from the darkness. Chances are, if you can do that, even if you're not their leader, they'll want you to be their leader before long. Well, that wraps it up today, guys. If you're uh, looking for some good leadership resources, in closing, let me give this to you. Besides the books I've already mentioned, I want to recommend to you Good to Great by Jim Collins. It's an older book. It's been out for, for several years. But in this book, you're going to learn something about the level five leader. And though he never mentions Jesus in this book, when you read about the level five leader, you're going to realize he's talking about a leader who leads like Jesus. I believe that you'll, you'll be blessed by it. It's a great book full of great character traits, and great principles that are good for any leader. And I pray that when you come to understand what a level five leader, it'll be something that we all strive to become. So thank you, Next Gen Nation, for the opportunity to speak to you today. I pray your life is blessed and without the limits of small thinking and cloudy vision. May God richly bless you is my prayer. Have a good one.